0: Nolan Investigations. I run that Boston-based detective agency that my dad started many years ago. Now that dad is retired, it's up to me and my mom, Gladys, to keep this place in the black. I've seen a lot of strange things in my time here, and I never know what the next knock on the office door is going to bring. I'm Jim Nolan, Private Eye.
1: Fitz Audio presents Episode 20 of Jim Nolan, Private Eye Fear Itself.
2: This is a WIXO special report. Here is news anchor Sharon
3: Waters. Good afternoon. We're interrupting our regular programming to bring you coverage of a police news conference concerning the disappearance of noted Boston attorney Charles Bascom. We take you now to police headquarters.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Lieutenant Walter Carmichael. I will be leading the investigation into the disappearance of Mr. Charles Bascom. Here are the facts as we have them. Mr. Bascom, a partner in the law firm of Whitney, Eggleston, and Bascom, was last seen leaving his office at 216 Berkeley Street at approximately 1125 a.m. yesterday. According to his secretary, Rhonda Lewis, he was heading to a partner's lunch at the Seaside restaurant. When he didn't arrive and their efforts to locate him failed, his fellow partners
5: contacted the police. Lieutenant, has the family been contacted by Mr. Bascom's kidnappers?
4: You're Childress, right? That's right, Joe Childress, Boston Examiner. Who said anything about a kidnapping, Mr. Childress?
5: Well, come on, since Mr. Bascom hasn't been seen in 24 hours, a reasonable person would
4: assume. The PD doesn't deal in assumptions, just facts. Let me make this very clear, everyone. At the moment, we have no indication whatsoever that Mr. Bascom's disappearance is due to a kidnapping. What
6: else could it be?
4: I refuse to speculate. In the meantime, Mr. Childress, I suggest you keep your guesswork to your column.
6: <laughs> <laughs> During the
4: investigation, we will do our best to give you a daily briefing at this time and place. If I'm available, I'll be here. That's all for now. Hold on. Good hold on. Governor. Governor. Wait, Wait,
3: Governor. 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 Wait a One second. More, Wait a second. You've been watching a police news conference on the disappearance of Boston Attorney Charles Bascom. We'll have a full report on the evening news at 6 p.m. and breaking news as it happens. Back in January, Mr. Bascom was a guest on our Sunday morning program, Legally Speaking. Here's a clip from that interview.
6: I guess you could say I always wanted to be an attorney. My mother tells me that even at a very young age, I would try to mitigate disputes between children at the playground. (laughs) If that doesn't indicate a born lawyer, I don't know what does. We now return you to our regularly scheduled program. Please, don't do this. I'll give you anything you want. Anything. Stop it. You're killing
1: me. What is happening to Charles Bascom? He sounds afraid for his very life. Perhaps Joe Childress is correct. It certainly sounds like Mr. Bascom has been kidnapped and is under extreme duress. When we return, we'll follow Lieutenant Carmichael to the office of a certain private detective as he investigates Mr. Bascom's disappearance in Misfits Audio's 20th Jim Nolan Private Eye Mystery. Fear. Itself. Walter, you're back.
0: Good to
4: see you, Lieutenant. How
3: was Florida?
4: Um, enlightening.
3: <laughs> I've never heard anyone describe the Sunshine State with that
0: word before. How was it, uh, enlightening? It
4: showed me that I'm not ready to retire.
3: And how'd it do that?
4: Have you ever been there?
3: Not for years. I've been trying to convince Albert that we should retire down there. Don't
4: do it! Why not? It's nice. Don't get me wrong. Sunshine certainly beats Shovel and Snow. But the people I met? Oh, people. What about them? Most of them aren't doing a damn thing. It's like they're wandering around in a fog waiting to die. You can only play so much shuffleboard, and I hate bingo!
3: I'm sorry to hear that your vacation was a bust. It wasn't,
4: I'm glad I went. It showed me what I don't want to do. I've been this way and that way on retiring for years. These knees of mine aren't what they once were. Now I know I'm going to keep working. I can't live like those people I saw. I'd go nuts. I still have lots to contribute to the city. I'm a good cop.
0: You certainly are. Well, I'm relieved.
3: Me too. Congratulations, Walter.
0: Thanks.
4: I heard you too had a little run-in with my, uh, understudy. <laughs> oh, we sure did. What will happen to Lieutenant Wagner now that you're not retiring? I can't concern myself with that. All I know is that I'm staying right where I am. If Kate Wagner tries to step on me to get ahead, I'll step right back back oh good for you jim if you're not tied up with anything
0: i could use your help you have great timing it's been a little slow lately what case charles bascom the missing attorney that's him come on i'm parked
3: outside okay mom sure i still have lots of typing to do i'll hold down the fort
0: What do you know about Baskin, Jim? Just what I read in the paper. He served in Korea and Vietnam, awarded a Purple Heart in both. When he came home, he joined a law firm and rose quickly in the ranks until he was one of their top attorneys. By all accounts, a great guy. So how does a great guy simply
4: vanish? Is he married? Uh Uh-huh. His wife's name is Hilda, 23 years, no kids. I've got McManus at the house with her in case anything develops. Do you think Bascom was kidnapped? I don't know. At the press conference, I ripped into Joe Childress for even
0: suggesting that possibility. Childress? From the Examiner? You've met him? Some time ago, back during the Landau case. Landau? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember.
4: Was he a pain in the butt back then, too. <laughs> you could say that. Where are we heading? Bascom's office at the law firm. I want to look it
0: over and meet his secretary, Ronda Lewis. Lieutenant? Yeah? Do you mind if I ask you about Lieutenant Wagner? Her again? Well, I'm curious about... Alright. I suppose
4: if I don't answer your questions, you'll just burst. I wouldn't put it that way. I have two conditions. Name them. Whatever I tell you, you tell your mom. That way I don't have to repeat myself. Okay, and number two? As soon as we pull up to Baskin's building, no more talk about Kate Wagner. We need to concentrate on Baskin's disappearance, not chat about
0: her. Agreed. So, what did you think of her? Pretty set in her ways, kinda full of herself. Pompous. That's her in a nutshell. That's not the way a police officer should be.
4: Jim, I went down to Florida thinking I was done with my badge. I've seen a lot of blood, a lot of death. I was ready to hang it all up and let Wagner have my job. Until you got a load of the people down there. Right. Don't get me wrong about Wagner. Pompous or not, she's a She's a good cop. She's earned her rank. But... She wants my job. And I'm not convinced that she wouldn't try to walk all over me to get it. Surely the chief of police Don't bring him into it. Wagner's one of the very few female police lieutenants in the country. So she mentioned... My boss would love to brag that the Boston PD has a woman in that position. Even if it means firing you? Oh, Yeah. I'm right at retirement age, just like your dad. Kate Wagner's more than a decade younger than me. Then there's the problem of... Well, I guess you could call it society. Society? This woman's liberation stuff. I don't have a prejudiced bone in my body, Jim. I don't give a damn what color or sex anyone is. I'll admit it, Kate Wagner would be a great addition to the force. And the chief knows that. My problem is, how do I show him that I'm the better choice without sounding like, uh... Oh, what's that term? A male chauvinist pig?
3: I left Mr. Bascom's office alone, Lieutenant, just like you asked on the phone. No one's been in here since he left yesterday.
4: Thank you, Miss Lewis.
3: Rhonda, please.
4: How long have you been Mr. Bascom's secretary?
3: It will be five years in September.
0: You said he left here yesterday about 11.25.
3: Yes, he was headed to a partner's lunch. They meet for lunch every six weeks or so. Why is that? It's the only time they have to discuss firm business, especially now. This is our busy season.
4: Mr. Bascom, is that booked up?
3: Oh, yes. Here. I'll show you. This is his date book. I thought you'd like to see it.
4: Yep. He's full up, all right.
3: The other partners are just as busy, if not busier.
0: When do you go home, Rhonda?
3: Five o'clock, usually. Sometimes Mr. Bascom will ask if I can stay late to help him with typing and filing, but not too often.
0: Is he here when you leave?
3: Most of the time.
0: This
4: certainly is a neat office. You're doing?
3: Oh, no. Mr. Bascom takes care of his own office.
4: Isn't that unusual?
3: For most people I've worked for, yes. I told him on my first day that I'd clean up for him, but he asked me not to.
0: Why does he do it?
3: It's his military training. He likes to keep everything spit and polish. A place for everything and everything in its place, he said.
0: <laughs> my apartment should be so neat.
3: <laughs> Mine, too.
0: Mr. Bascom has himself a nice electric typewriter. It looks new.
3: He's had it for about two months, I think.
0: Why
4: does he need a typewriter with you around?
3: Some clients are very particular about their privacy. They don't want anyone but the partners to see their financial information. Mr. Bascom types up those forms himself.
0: This ribbon is awfully worn. Is it? This machine has seen a lot of use in two months.
3: Hmm. I don't see how. There aren't many clients who insist on their confidentiality.
4: Could Mr. Bascom have clients you don't know about?
3: No. Even if I don't do the typing, I still file the paperwork. I don't see how that ribbon could have become so worn from just filling in the blanks. Blanks? Let me show you. Here we are. Mr. Bascom handles personal law, wills, trusts, and such. This is a copy of our standard will form. As you can see, it's a fill-in-the-blank document.
0: I blank, being a sound mind and body, to hereby declare... So, Mr. Bascom would just line the typewriter ribbon up on the
4: page and fill in the blanks?
3: Yes, sir. That's right. All the legal language is pre approved to speed the process along.
0: What are you looking for, Jim? I'm trying to read the ribbon. Sometimes you can see words or letters that were typed. They leave a trace on the ribbon. Is there anything there? It's tough to make out much. There's a capital K, and I think that's an O beside it. K O? Huh. Korea, maybe? Could be. Why would he
4: type Korea on a legal document? Does the firm have any international clients, Rhonda?
3: Not that I know of. You could ask one of the other partners.
0: Can you arrange that?
3: I can try. I believe Mr. Whitney is in the office today. I'll call his secretary. Hopefully he can spare you some time.
0: Thank you. How did that ribbon get so beaten up from filling in blanks? Maybe Mr. Bascom was typing something else. Something not related to work.
3: Not on company time. He'd never do that. I mean, I... What is it? That tray. What about it? I filled it up with a ream of paper only three days ago.
0: 500 sheets? Yes. There can't be more than half out here now.
3: Why would he... Could someone
4: else have taken the paper?
3: Anyone who needs paper can get their own. There's a supply closet down the hall.
4: Are there typewriter ribbons there? Of course. Then, for whatever he was typing, why wouldn't he replace the ribbon?
3: It is a little time-consuming and messy. It's tough to get the ink off your hands. Maybe with his schedule, he was rushed and didn't have the time to make the change.
0: Late for a meeting? Possibly. Could you please check
4: on Mr. Whitney's availability?
3: Of course. I'll make the call now. It shouldn't take but a minute.
7: Please sit down, gentlemen. Thank you, sir.
4: Thank you, Mr. Whitney.
7: Anything for Chuck Bascom. Are you close to finding
0: him?
4: We're doing everything we can.
0: I'm sure you are, Lieutenant. I I meant no insult. Mr. Whitney, does your firm do any business in Korea? Korea? No. Could Mr. Bascom have landed a Korean client on his own,
4: without you knowing?
7: No. Our business plan doesn't include Korea. We're mostly New England-based. We do hope to expand into Great Britain in the
0: future, but not Korea. Why do you ask? We found what looks like the word Korea on Mr. Bascom's typewriter ribbon.
7: Really? He did serve there, but I can't imagine. Perhaps he was writing himself a note.
4: With a typewriter?
7: You haven't seen his handwriting. Will you be visiting Hilda, Mrs. Bascom, later?
4: Probably. Why do you ask?
7: I was going to head over there myself. Hilda and I are old friends. She's understandably upset. I was hoping my visit might calm her down.
4: We want to take a look at Mr. Bascom's car first. He was headed to that lunch, so he must have gone down to the garage before he vanished.
7: Rhonda keeps a spare car key in her desk. (laughs) Chuck locked his keys inside once, and the auto club had to come. He was very embarrassed, and vowed to never let that happen again. His parking space is A3 on the first level of the garage.
0: Thanks, Mr Whitney. You've been very helpful.
7: You're welcome. That's quite a car Chuck has. A brand new Cadillac. Immaculate. Polished till it sparkles. He's very particular about that Caddy. It's his baby.
0: Lieutenant Carmichael and I left Mr. Whitney's office, got the spare car key from Rhonda, and took the elevator down to level one of the parking garage. It wasn't tough to find Bascom's car. The black caddy practically glowed under the fluorescent overhead lights of the garage. On first seeing it, I think the lieutenant and I shared the same thought. Wow, that black beauty made my car look like a fugitive from the junkie. That's the kind of car I'm gonna get one day. Sure you are. Sebascom takes the elevator down here to drive to that lunch and... what? I don't know yet.
4: (sighs) I hate to admit it, but Childress may have been right.
0: Let's have a peek inside. Will you look at that? What? There are scratches around the door lock. Key marks. If Bascom is as particular about his car as Whitney said he is, he'd never let those stay there. They look fresh.
4: With Bascom's schedule, maybe he hasn't had the time to get it
0: fixed. That's a... Wait a minute. (sighs) Um, there's something under the... Under the car. Uh, uh, got it! A pocket watch? The crystal's broken. Could it be Bascom's? You think someone
4: snatched him as he was getting into his car, making him scratch the paint with his key and drop the watch?
3: It seems. There you are, Lieutenant. Mr. Whitney told me you and Mr. Nolan were. That's Mr. Bascom's watch. It is? His grandfather left it to him. Where did you find it?
4: Under the car. It's taken a beating. It's definitely his watch?
3: I'm certain. I've seen it a hundred times. Mr. Bascom would never be careless with that watch. It's precious to him.
4: You had something to tell me?
3: Oh, yes. Sergeant McManus called from Mr. Bascom's home. He said it was very important that you call him right away.
4: Talk to me, McManus.
5: Mrs. Bascom got a call, Lieutenant. A guy who said he was holding her husband hostage.
4: Did you trace the call?
0: I tried. He wasn't on the line long enough. He said he would call back in 20 minutes, specifically to talk to you. He
5: said he saw you on the TV.
4: 20 minutes? I don't think we can make it out there in 20 minutes.
5: Yeah, he thought that might be a problem for you. He had a suggestion.
4: What? What?
5: Uh, remember, sir, this is what he said.
0: I'm. I'm only repeating it.
4: What, McManus?
5: He said that you should, uh. Move your fat butt.
0: I don't remember ever driving so fast. Fortunately, Lieutenant Carmichael was behind the wheel and not me. By the time the lieutenant hastily parked his car in front of the Bascom home and we ran up the walk, I could hear the phone ringing inside the house. Waiting by the telephone table was Sergeant McManus, Mr. Whitney, and a red-eyed, gray-haired, distraught woman, Hilda Bascom. As Lieutenant Connacle answered the phone, McManus started recording the call while he and the others listened in on an extension. Hello?
5: Hey, you made it! I didn't think you would.
4: Who is this?
5: You're the pig I saw on TV, aren't you?
4: I'm the officer, yes.
5: (laughs) Like I said, pig. I know you're probably trying to trace this call, so I'll keep it short. My pals and me, we got Bascom.
4: Let me talk to him.
5: Oh, no, officer. You're not running this show. Tell you what. I'll let you hear him. Hey, Bascom! I'm talking to a cop at your house. What do you think of that? Help me! Give them what they want! Anything! Help!
4: (laughs) What are you doing to him?
5: Don't worry about
4: it. You'd better not harm him.
5: He's safe.
4: Enough. What do you want?
5: (laughs) What do you think we want? How much? We're not sure yet. What? We haven't decided. Time's on our side. The more begs for help, the more he's away from his missus, the higher our asking price becomes. The more anxious they both get from waiting until we're good and ready, the more dough they'll be willing to shell out to end this whole thing. We'll be filthy rich.
4: (laughs) You little...
5: Oh, I'd watch your mouth... I'll call you back
4: later. When? When
5: I feel like it. You be around.
0: McManus! No dice, Lieutenant. He wasn't on long enough. Damn!
4: (laughs) Mrs. Bascom? Mrs. Bascom, please.
8: What do they want with my Charles, Lieutenant? He's never hurt anyone. We'll
4: find out. I promise you. (laughs) McManus, could you please take the lady to the kitchen? Why? Maybe a cup of tea or something would calm her down? What do you think, ma'am? Would you like a a cup of tea?
8: But, but, Charles...
4: We're doing all we can. The best thing for you to do is calm down. Would you like some tea?
3: Yes, please.
4: This is Chuck's office. Very tidy.
0: Just like work. Lieutenant! This typewriter ribbon is beaten up too. Can you make out any words? No. This one's in worse shape than the other one. And look here. Three white-out bottles. All empty. Basco must not be a very good typist. Mr. Whitney, would your firm allow a legal document with whiteout on it to be filed?
7: Yes. We'd prefer not to, of course. It looks unprofessional.
0: And Mr. Bascom knows that.
7: Of course. How is this helping us find the kidnappers?
4: It's all a big puzzle, Mr. Whitney.
7: And this is a piece. So, you have no idea who they are? Not at the moment. Do you?
5: Me?
4: You and Bascom are friends and business associates. Can you think of anyone who might be responsible?
7: Lieutenant, the Bascoms don't mix with the lower circles of society. As a prominent attorney, Chuck would only know those in the upper crust. Who would never do such a thing?
4: Yet someone did kidnap him. What have you got, Jim?
0: Mr. Bascom's Rolodex it's stuffed what we're looking for must be in there i don't follow you we don't know who kidnapped mr bascom and you say it's impossible that anyone he associates with could have done it that's true then our next clue is in here somebody on these index cards knows something that we're not privy to
7: how do we find out who
0: with your help jim will read the names off the cards
4: you and bascom hung out with the same crowd you tell us if you know the person and if he or she could be involved.
7: For all those cards? That could take hours.
4: Hopefully the person we're looking
7: for isn't in the Z's. Oh, very well. If this wasn't for Chuck...
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Ronald Adams. Certainly not. David Aher. William Cartwright No Brendan Chase Never Emile Harris No Thomas Healy,
7: Never, he's a good friend
0: Paul Irwin Who? Paul Irwin I-R-W-I-N.
7: Never heard of him.
0: Who is he, Jim? It says here, Managing Editor, Thompson Publishing. Any bell, Mr. Whitney?
7: I'm afraid not.
0: That's it! What's it? It all fits! The missing paper at his job, the the beaten-up typewriter ribbons, this Rolodex card... Mr. Basker must have been writing a book!
7: Chuck?
4: It's a strong possibility.
7: What would he write a book about?
0: From the mention of Korea, maybe it's his autobiography.
7: But Chuck's been so busy. How would he possibly have the time to write a
0: book? Sometimes at home, sometimes at work, more at home. And I would explain why the ribbons on both typewriters are beaten up, but the one here is in worse shape. He must have been trying to meet a deadline.
4: If he was rushing, he wouldn't have taken the time to change the ribbons. As long as you could read
0: the text, that's probably good enough. He'd also have no problem using Whiteout on a manuscript as opposed to, say, a will. We didn't see any empty Whiteout bottles at his office.
7: Chuck Bascom writing a
0: book? Only a possibility. Jim, do me a favor. Give McMattis a holler.
4: Mrs. Bascom is up to it. I'd like to ask her a few questions.
0: Are you sure you're all right, ma'am?
8: I'll be fine. I can't sit around all day crying and worrying. I want to help. Thank you. Does the name
4: Paul Irwin sound familiar?
8: I can't say that it does. Who is he? He's the managing editor at Thompson Publishing. No, Lieutenant. I'm sorry. Did your husband do a lot of typing in here? Some. I'd hear the clack-clack of the keys when I was in the kitchen. Occasionally, especially recently, with the firm's busy season, he'd stay up a little late after I'd gone to bed, getting some work done. What do you think he was typing? Why, a legal document, of course. What are you driving at, Mr. Nolan? We're investigating the possibility that your husband was writing a book.
0: A book? That's what I said. You don't think that's possible?
8: I do not. If he were, he would have told me.
0: He'd
7: never be able to keep it from me, either. If he were writing a book, I'd think he'd be very proud and want to tell everyone.
8: And you think that if, and it's a big if, Charles was writing a book, someone kidnapped him because of something he disclosed in it? Perhaps. But Charles and I don't associate with anyone who would even think of doing such a thing. Maybe in his past, before he knew you. No. My husband and I are like open books to each other. That's how our marriage has survived for so long. We don't keep secrets. But you can't think
0: of any reason why Mr. Bascom would know Mr. Irwin at the publishing company.
8: No, I cannot.
4: May I speak with Mr. Irwin, please?
3: I'm afraid he's out of the office at the moment. May I ask what this is concerning?
4: This is Lieutenant Walter Carmichael of the police. I need to speak with your boss as soon as possible.
3: Of course, sir. I'm afraid that Mr. Irwin is on the road right now. He's on his way
1: back from a publishing conference in Toronto.
4: When is he due back?
1: Tomorrow morning.
4: I need to see him tomorrow.
1: Of course. What time?
4: First thing.
3: He should be in by eight. Uh, Is that
4: okay? We'll be there.
0: Thanks for your time, Mr. Owen.
2: My pleasure, gentlemen. I'm sorry I was unavailable yesterday. Uh, These conferences are deadly dull, but Thompson Publishing needs to be present. I didn't hear about Charles Bascom's disappearance until I got home late last night. When was the last time you saw him? Um, on the 11th. He dropped off some revised pages. So he is
0: writing a book for you?
2: Yes. From a Soldier to an Attorney, My Life. That's the working title. Do you
0: have the revised pages?
2: Yes, I believe I do. Here you are. May I open it? Certainly.
0: Look at the text, Lieutenant.
4: Definitely, from the worn ribbons.
2: Mr. Bascom explained that he had to finish the pages around many business appointments. While I'd prefer the text to be darker, the typesetter should be able to read it just fine. What's the book about? Well, like the title says, it's his autobiography. The concentration isn't so much on his childhood, but on his war years and legal career. Have you read the book? Every word. Those pages are based on revisions and corrections that I made. Mostly grammatical errors and typos.
0: Well, working on the assumption that Mr. Bascom has been kidnapped, is there anything in the book that might suggest a culprit? Does he take anybody to task?
2: No, I don't recall a harsh word about anyone. It does get a little personal sometimes, like when he writes about his phobia. Phobia? Acrophobia, fear of heights. He's had it for years.
4: I didn't know he suffered from that.
2: Not many people do. He's always kept it a secret, even from his wife. Why? He considers it a personal failing. Acrophobia? Charles Bascom is his own worst critic.
0: I guess so.
2: Any phobia, by definition, is an irrational fear of something. He knew that and was ashamed to admit that it could have a hold on him.
4: But we're talking about a guy who flew combat missions for the army. How did he manage it?
2: He's not sure himself. His best guess, as he writes in the book, is that he knew he was fighting for something bigger than himself and needed to put his phobia on the shelf, mind over matter. It must have been very difficult.
4: Maybe the flying made him feel in control of things.
2: That's certainly a possibility. I fly and it makes me feel that way. When Charles Bascom was a young man, he had the strength and the will to deny the phobia any power over him.
0: But he... Can't do that now.
2: No, it's my understanding that a phobia can become stronger as a person ages, making him less able to resist it. Charles Bascom is a wonderful man with a brilliant and heroic past, but he is older and not as strong as he once was. It's hard to know if the phobia is stronger, if he's weaker, or some combination of the two.
0: Surely he's had to fly on business. Oh, Yes. How does he manage that?
2: His doctor prescribed him some pills for the anxiety that would come with boarding a plane. He said that if he took them an hour or so before flying, he could make it.
0: And without the medication?
2: He'd be nervous, and probably frightened. Very frightened.
0: Why did he decide to disclose his phobia now, after keeping it secret for years?
2: He's been heartbroken lately by news stories stigmatizing people with phobias as weak. He wanted to show everyone that even a decorated war hero and successful attorney with help from modern medicine can lead a mostly normal life with such a condition. In his own humble way, he thought he might become a role model.
4: Two large
0: coffees, black, and two
4: plain donuts.
3: For
0: here to go. To go. Right away, sir. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Lieutenant? That whoever
4: kidnapped Bascom found out about his phobia and is somehow using it against him? I am. But he kept it secret for years. Who'd know? Whoever snatched him must have seen those pages of the book. How? I don't know. Someone at his job. Probably. And someone who's not part of the Bascom's wealthy circle of friends but I have an even bigger question. What's that? If this bum is using Bascom's acrophobia against him, and from what I heard on the phone, I think he is, how is he convincing him he has something to fear?
3: A book? I had no idea.
0: Neither did his wife. Who decides who
4: gets into Mr. Bascom's office?
3: I do. Anyone who wants to see him has to get past me first.
0: Who would be allowed in?
3: That varies depending on the case Mr. Bascom is focusing on. Different people would work under him for different clients. He mentors many of the junior staff, and the other partners stop by fairly often to bounce ideas off of him.
4: How about after business hours? Who decides then?
3: That's up to Mr. Bascom. He doesn't like to be disturbed when he's working, but... He realizes it's necessary sometimes. On nights when I've stayed late, I've seen some of the new hires stop by, some of the senior managers, and the cleaning people, of course. Excuse me, Miss Lewis. I didn't know anyone was here. That's okay, Mary. This is Jim Nolan, a private detective. And this is Lieutenant Carmichael of the police department.
4: After her, Jim!
0: go of me! I, <laughs> I got her, Lieutenant!
4: Thanks, Jim. You can let go of her now.
3: About time. I didn't do nothing.
4: Who said you did? Do you always go for a run when you're introduced to a police officer?
3: It's none of your business what I do.
4: Oh, but it is, Mary. You see, as a cop, I have the power to make your life much tougher. If I choose to.
3: What are you talking about?
4: It's a little thing called suspicion. As an officer, if I suspect you might be involved in a crime, say, oh, the kidnapping of Charles Bascom, for instance, I can arrest you because of my suspicion.
8: You're lying.
4: You believe what you want to believe. Have you ever been in a cell? No. They can be very unfriendly places, can't they, Jim?
0: Very unfriendly. You never know who'll be in there with you. It could be a little old lady, or it could be a suspected murderer.
3: A mur?
4: That's why it's best for everyone to avoid spending time in cells altogether. Especially a young lady like yourself.
3: I'm sure it is. Mary, do you know anything about Mr. Bascom's kidnapping?
0: I... Kidnapping is a federal offense.
3: What does that mean?
0: It means that the jail sentences are often much Longer.
8: But I never- If a
0: young lady
4: like you was convicted of kidnapping, she'd be a very old woman by the time she got out of prison. That's a lot of years behind bars.
3: I wasn't part of it. I- I didn't hurt him.
4: You may be an accessory to a crime, Mary. You could still end up
0: behind bars.
6: I- I don't know what to do.
0: Things will go easier on you if you tell us who you're protecting.
6: My brother, Sean.
1: (laughs) It's like this.
5: I'm sorry, Mr. Bascom. I thought you had gone home.
6: Not quite yet, Sean. I was going to finish this page, but my heart's just not in it. Too
5: tired. (laughs) I know how you feel. My heart's not in this job most nights. you certainly used up a lot of paper today. Your barrel's full to the top.
6: Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not the best typist.
5: And no need to apologize. It's all the same to me. I just dump it in here, however much there is. Thanks. Happy to do it.
6: Better luck tomorrow, huh? I hope so.
5: Good night, Mr. Bascom. Good night.
0: And that's when your brother looked through the crumpled up pages of the manuscript.
1: Yes. He read about Mr. Bascom's fear of heights.
0: And figured he could use it
4: against him.
3: He and some of his friends, I'm not sure who, snatched Mr. Bascom down in the parking garage. Sean said the family would pay a nice ransom to get him back. He said he'd be rich.
0: Where is he, Mary? Where's Charles Bascom?
7: Logan Airport?
0: That's right. Mary said her brother and his friends are hiding Bascom somewhere in the airport. Probably making him believe he's on a plane. With his
4: acrophobia and without his pills.
7: Could they really have him on a plane?
4: Maybe a private one. That might be the road to follow. I doubt they'd take the chance of bringing him on a commercial flight. Bascom's picture's all over the news. He'd be noticed for
7: sure. So it's Sean who's been calling here.
4: As far as we know.
7: Does he have a pilot's license? I found no evidence of that, sir. One of his friends
4: might. We can't know for sure. We also know that he doesn't own a plane. If he and his pals do have Bascom on a private plane, they're likely using
0: it illegally. A private plane of Logan? We may as well look for a needle in a haystack. Ready, McManus?
4: All set, sir. Lieutenant Carmichael.
5: Hey, you're already there.
4: I'm a professional.
5: (laughs) Sure you are. We know what we want in exchange for Bascom. What? A million bucks. A million? In small bills. Jump change to Bascom's firm and his (laughs) missus. Surely he's worth that much to them.
4: It it will take a while to get that much money together.
5: You've got a Day. I'll call you in 24 hours to tell you how to get us the dough. Remember one thing in the
4: meantime. What's that?
5: Mr. Bascom is scared.
4: Not long enough to trace, sir. It's not that important anymore. We know Bascom's somewhere at Logan Airport. We just have to
7: figure out where. Bill Norden. Who? An old friend of mine. He's the manager at Logan.
0: If Bascom is being held on a private plane could your friend help us narrow the odds
7: probably they keep records of what planes were recently fueled prior to flight unless one of sean's pals is a pilot that would take those planes out of the equation i'll call bill right away
0: mr whitney's call yielded results all but five of the private planes hanging at logan had recently been gassed up Sergeant McManus, Lieutenant Carmichael, Officer Harrison, and I drove out to the airport. We picked up a list of the hangar numbers and a skeleton key for their locks from Mr. Whitney's friend, and then proceeded to the hangars. The first three we stopped at were busts. But the fourth? Lieutenant Carmichael unlocked the hangar door and slowly opened it just enough for all of us to ease inside. There was an odd noise coming from the hangar plane kind of a rumbling noise like an engine. Though the plane's engine wasn't on. Then we heard it.
6: End this, please! I can't take it anymore!
0: And that's when the lieutenant ripped open the plane's door and the four of us charged inside, guns at the ready!
4: What the hell? Hold it right there! All of you! You're under arrest for the kidnapping of Charles Bascom. McManus, Harrison, cuff him and get him out of here.
7: Gladly, sir. You pig!
4: How did you ever you have the right to remain silent? Anything you say can and will be used against you.
0: I rushed over to the only other person on the plane a very nervous Charles Bascom. He was tied tightly to a chair and blindfolded. Fixed to the ceiling of the plane and running under his seat was a kind of winch that looked like it was used to move the chair back and forth and up and down. Lieutenant Carmichael picked up a tape recorder lying on a table, pressed the off button, and the sound of the engine noise stopped. With this elaborate staging, Sean and his friends had convinced Bascom that he was on an airplane in flight, though he never truly was.
5: Help me, please!
0: I'm here, Mr. Vascom. I'm here to help you.
5: For the love of God, stop
0: this! There, your blindfold's off. Look at me, sir. Who? Look at me. Who are... My name's Jim Nolan. I'm working with the police. I'm going to untie you now. Everything's okay. You're free. But the plane! The turbulence! I I can't take it anymore! We're on the ground, sir. What? You're not in the air. I don't think you ever were. I... don't understand. There. Can you stand? I...
6: think so. If you need some help. No. No, thank you. I can do it. Uh, much better.
4: Mr. Bascom. I'm Lieutenant Carmichael of the police. The men who did this to you have been arrested. They won't be seeing anything but cell bars for a long time.
6: That's good. So
0: I was never really in the air? I don't think so. The engine sound was on tape. And look at that contraption they rigged up to move your seat around. They made it pretty convincing, and your imagination did the rest. So they were going to toss me out of the plane, were they? Excuse me?
6: I knew we were on the ground all the time. You did? Of course. I hope you never thought for a second that a bunch of punks like them could get the better of a man like me. If they didn't have me tied to that chair, I would have beaten the living
0: daylights out of- Sir, we know about your acrophobia. You do? We spoke to Mr. Irwin during our investigation.
6: I see. Who am I kidding? They had me totally fooled. This is embarrassing. Why? A good part of my book is about facing your phobias, your fears. I didn't do too well myself. Do as I say, not as I do, huh?
0: I'd say you certainly faced your fears these past days. This whole ordeal has probably made you stronger. You think so? Definitely. Maybe this deserves a chapter in the book? That's up to you. It's your book. In the
4: meantime... I know a certain lady back at your house who's really looking forward to seeing you. Yes,
6: Hilda. You know what I really want to do now? What? I want to get the hell off this plane.
1: Starring our regular cast, Russell Gold as Jim Nolan, Kim Giannopoulos as Gladys Nolan, Brian Bedard as Lieutenant Carmichael, and Katie Daynard as the narrator. Guest starring in this episode, in order of appearance, were Lampros Leontos as the studio announcer, Lisa Lynn as Sharon Waters, John Specht as Joe Childress, Scott Fortney as Charles Bascom, Elise Krogh as Rhonda Lewis, Peter Bishop as Mr. Whitney, Dave Morgan as Sergeant McManus, Ted Wenskus as Sean. Melissa Exelberth as Hilda Bascom, Laura Benarski as the secretary, Peter Catt as Paul Irwin, Daniel Krempa as the clerk, and Rebecca Thomas as Mary. Jim Nolan Private Eye was created by Mike Murphy and Arlene Osborne. The script was written by Mike Murphy. The Jim Nolan Private Eye theme was composed and performed by Vivian Dosko. Please hear more of her wonderful music at myspace.com slash Vivian Dosko. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-D-O-S-K-O-W. Producer, Captain John Tadrzak. Assistant Producer, Mike Murphy. Mixer, John Specht. Script Editor, Arlene Osborne. Webmaster, April Sadowski. Art director, Alexa Chipman. Thanks to Captain John Tadrasak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne. All the characters portrayed in this story are fictitious. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Please visit us on the web at MisfitsAudio.com and on Facebook. This production is for enjoyment purposes only. I'm your narrator, Katie Daynert. This is an original production by Misfits Audio. Copyright 2013. All rights reserved.